<laughs> Merry Christmas, listeners. It is your three happiest little elves bringing you not only some festive cheer, but a very special gift. The 500th edition of the Chair Shop Podcast. Uh, coming to you not so live from the same locations it's been coming to you for the last 10 years. Uh, live here from England and Ireland. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Barry. Joined as always by, uh, first of all, Joe. Good evening, everyone. And also, Mr. Paul Griffin. Uh, well, some people might be listening in the morning, so good morning to you. Good morning no, to them. No, no, that's weird. Yeah, this isn't this isn't like a breakfast time uh, show, you know. It's after dark. We're you know, down at the in the uh, podcast. Yeah. Uh, and we are coming here uh, with our 500th show. Very, very proud. Very uh, great moment for us, lads. Um, and it's also the final show before uh, ever. We're giving it up. <laughs> um, and it is... Oh, it is, excuse me, it is our, our final show of the year as we wrap up here for our Christmas break. Um, so it all it's all wrapped up in a nice, neat little bow for us here. Um as we head into episode 500. Well done, lads. Thanks for, for being here with me. Um, uh, we are... Uh, <laughs> I like the idea that we've been guests on your podcast. <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway and finally, we're going to rotate the cast. A long requested uh, next week um, uh, for 500. Uh, you know, it's season two of the Chair Shop podcast. Um, yeah, but I uh, know, I mean, you know, we're, we're a trio. And I, I, I don't think any of us can do it without the rest of us. Mm-hmm. I think we have a, I think we have a good team here, and uh, and uh, uh, thanks to you for for doing it. Thanks to Paul for pulling all the buttons and making it all happen. The magic behind the scenes and all that. Yeah. And uh, thank you, the dear listeners, particularly those of you who've been around a while, um, for sticking around through the incredibly shit years early on, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and sticking with us when to when we eventually got to the point where we just started reviewing movies. Um, <laughs> not just movies, but the same movies we've already reviewed. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> this week I'm talking about Jingle All the Way and Season 5 of The Simpsons. Maybe. Woo! Yeah! Anyway. I did have a thought in the week. Because it's episode 500, I was like, what if I do a, a little fun thing where in like the five days leading up, I put out like episode 100 again, 200, 300. And then I thought, okay, no one would want to listen to episode 100 again. 200, 200 and 300 are probably completely inaudible. And 400 was recently enough that people already have it. So yeah, yeah. Knock, knock that one on the head. You've got to keep moving on. You've got to keep moving forward. That's what we're all about. Also, I was too lazy to do it. Well, and, and that, that is very much us. Look forward and too lazy. That defines yeah. us, really. So, yeah. Here we are. Uh, how are we getting on, lads? It's been a, another quiet week uh, for myself here. A week off of the old work. Back to work tomorrow um, uh, before the Christmas break proper. But I've had a lovely week sitting around in my hole doing nothing. Um, playing lots of video games, which I'll talk about later. Um, but, uh, yeah. And we also, uh, me and uh, the girlfriend, we did Christmas a little bit early ourselves oh. yesterday. Uh, exchanging of gifts before she goes back to the, the wonderful Irish coast to be with her family. Um, yeah, it was lovely. We exchanged some gifts. Lots of lovely stuff being exchanged. Uh, I'm in some lovely comfy lounge pants uh, that I got because um, she knows I love being lazy. 
So, um, so that's good. And uh, yeah, so uh, it's been it's been a lovely uh, festive week here um, in 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 good old Limerick. What about you, lads? How are things going there in your necks of the respective necks of the woods? Well, it's been another interesting week. So um, cr- Christmas um, activities are work this week. Um, obviously, all o- all over Zoom. So we haven't been going into the office at all. Um, so we had an, a Zoom-based escape room activity with, oh, wow. with, with my team, which was basically like, it was pretty lo-fi <laughs> as escape rooms go. It was basically a website where you get given clues. Uh, and these clues are essentially kind of JPEGs that look like they were made on, in Microsoft Paint about, oh, 20, wow. about 20 years ago. And you have to guess the clue, type it into a, into the password field, and then that unlocks another page that has a clue on it, basically. So um, it was it was quite fun. You know, these kind of things, these, these work activities are always a little bit um, kind of awkward and sort of forced, <laughs> forced fun. But I don't mind them too much. But over Zoom... You just get so many awkward silences where everyone's kind of sat there. Or worse, people trying to talk over each other. So what would be a probably somewhat fun distraction in the office becomes just a living nightmare when you're mm. doing it on Zoom. And of course, I get bored halfway through and I'm just looking at Twitter, you know, just going, what, what? Yeah, yeah, good, good clue. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Turn, turn the key left, square, yeah, square, square, try square it, pain. Yeah, yeah. Try, try it backwards. Um, yeah, monkey yeah. paw, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That was that was all right, and then we had um we had kind of activities after that, which was I. So there were three: there was murder mystery, there was uh, wine tasting, and there was truffle making. And I, this was like a month ago, we had to choose which one we wanted to do. And I thought, oh, I like truffles, I'll do that one. Forgetting that, of course, I'm doing it at home, so I actually have to get all the equipment, like get all the bowls and all the shit to make it, and then you have to clean up afterwards as well. Right, it's not like when you go to some kitchen and do one of these activities and they just fucking do it all for you. So I'm there, I am in my kitchen, staring at my laptop. It's no one saying anything because we're busy making truffles, and so I'm just there trying to make truffles. There's fucking melted chocolate everywhere, and um, yeah, I'd say the first batch turned out all right, but the other two, um, what I probably should have done was measured the amount of cream I put in rather than just pouring it in and having a guess. Um, I think that's quite crucial when you're when you're making these sort of things. But no, but that's what true be a uh, chefery. I was going to say, <laughs> being <laughs> cook, cook, yes. yeah, is is not doing the exact measurements. Uh, it, yeah. It's just doing it by feel, doing it by pinch of salt, uh, yeah. dash or put it. Yeah, I think you're right there. I think you might be right. Maybe I'm the true chef, and they're yeah. not. So um, yeah, that was that was what it was. I wish I'd done the wine tasting. I could have just had a couple of glasses of wine and chucked the plastic bottles away. But we well, live and we learn. So that was that was the Christmas um, fun over for another year. And then um, yesterday we had a wonderful announcement from our beloved Prime Minister that um, there's a new version of the coronavirus on the loose, much more contagious than the last one. So um, Christmas is cancelled. And we're all uh, locked in our homes, so uh, that was that was great news. So um, I think Christmas Day it won't affect our plans too much because we were just going to go and see family on Christmas Day anyway, not really do much else. So we still get to do that. But yeah, very very sad time for a lot of people who are going to have to travel. 
But uh, yeah, it is what it is. We're kind of reaping what we sowed back in the summer when we didn't mm. put a stop to it and, and you know, kill it like Vince killed the NWO. That's what we should have done. <laughs> we, we let it fester. But anyway, you know, got to keep on smiling. But uh, yeah, that's that's been my, my week. <sighs> yeah, I know two people who have been, like relatives who have been affected by... The, uh, the restrictions in England. Two people who are living in England who um, were planning to come home for the holidays. But um looks like the Irish government are putting in place bas- basically what they should have done in the 16th, 1600s and banning all Brits from uh, tried. Coming, in, coming into the island. <laughs> so, unfortunately, they're stuck there. Um, yeah, a little bit of a somber mood for me this week we have uh, one of our guinea pigs is very very sick and so we are gonna take them to the vet tomorrow to let them go uh off into the little guinea pig afterlife um one of the two originals original pigs we got back in 2016 so we've we've had them for nearly four and a half years her sister went earlier this year she died very suddenly but um Guinea is uh, starting to starting to slow down a bit. She's lost a lot of weight, and uh, so on Christmas week, unfortunately, we're going to let her go, and then we're probably going to look into rehoming Binky because we don't want to just keep one guinea pig on their own. They're, yeah. Uh, yeah, they're a social creature, um, and we love Binky, but it wouldn't be fair. So we're going to see if we can maybe get a good home for her to go to, and then for the first time since. 2016 we will be petless um we've had a number of pets since then um who've given us a lot of joy over the years and of course we're going to remember the good moments we won't be just sad about it all Mm. but um yeah we'll probably then not get any pets for a little while at least Mm. until we get our house and then we maybe get um a good dog or a couple of dogs or something like that um so that's that's that that was just today, um, and yeah, Guinea up until like we noticed that she was losing weight a lot, but she's old and she's very slow. Yeah. And even lately, we just noticed today like we were feeding her and she was just very slow to eat. We're like, oh, Natty really noticed today that she's she she's not doing well, so we're gonna let her go. Um, speaking of Zoom parties, yeah, I had a Zoom party yesterday with uh, some of our mutual friends from the uh, online world. Uh, and that was actually a lot of fun. I quite enjoyed that. Uh, my first ever time using Zoom, by the way. Okay. Um, never used Zoom before. Didn't know how to make it work. Didn't know how to make my audio work. Complete disaster. Um, but no, that was quite fun. There was a quiz. There was cookie making. There was a lot of effort put into it. It was a lot of fun. So quite enjoyed that. Um, I've been I've been on my holidays for the last week. I'm going to continue to be on holidays this week. And Natty is only on holidays from today. So that's going to give me a chance with her to just lie in bed all day and watch TV and stuff. Lovely. Um, The last week was, as as with Barry, mostly just a lot of video games, not really Mm. any TV, any TV or movies. But um, that was basically it as we we start to roll into Christmas week. I'm hoping that... um, Hoping we have a good Christmas to uh, pick up the spirits a little bit. Um, we are only four days away. 
so fingers crossed. And as we, as I mentioned on the Zoom call yesterday to people who didn't know, Ireland uh, probably not too far behind on a, a lockdown of some kind. Yeah, it's coming. Our numbers are starting to shoot back up to where they were, uh, number of cases. So I anticipate after Christmas we're going to go into some kind of six-week lockdown like we were. Uh, so yeah, happy Christmas, everyone. Yay! Um, yeah, well, luckily, lads, they have us to try and cheer them up, am I right? Um, that's not... We're, not, we're not doing a good job. Well, let's 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 change our tune here and get into our, our, our various um, uh, uh, review segment here. Um, start off with a little bit of telly guff. Uh, I've watched just loads of Christmas telly this week. I haven't watched anything new. Uh, waiting for my my better half to to catch up on the Mandalorian before mm-hmm. I get uh, before I get stuck into season two of that. Uh, so we've watched you know the usuals. We watched the uh, uh, the two the kind of main Christmas episodes of Futurama with the with the robot Santa. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're great. I mean, they're really really great. John Goodman in the first one as the voice of Santa is uh, fantastic. Uh, marriage being uh, be not proud, of course, probably the one of the oh, one of the greatest yeah. uh, Simpsons episodes, one of the greatest uh, Christmas episodes ever. Just really fantastic. Uh, the Father Ted special, of course, you know. Um, I always forget how kind of like not Christmassy that one is. It's like a feature length episode of the of the show, and there's like there's like two advent calendar jokes in it. Uh, <laughs> Someone calls Rockbusters. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, a classic. Uh, uh, the Always Sunny Christmas special, which I think is one of the best Always Sunny things uh, ever. It's great. Uh, really great episode of that. And, of course, just earlier this afternoon, we watched the Office Christmas special, uh, which is, of course, mm. uh, timeless. Uh, yeah. So, you know, all got, got squeezed in all the hits, got some movies as well and moving off the top. But I think I just about got in all the all the must-see Christmas things in time for the day itself. Uh, so that was good. But not much not much new telly myself uh, this week. Uh, what about you, lads? What are you watching? Well, I watched uh, I watched a few episodes of Simpsons, actually, mm. uh, while I was on my own. And I was surprised because I watched three episodes, three consecutive episodes from season six, which is like... The gold, gold standard, right? Mm. I was surprised that the three episodes I watched, I was kind of eh about. Um, mm. Not to say that they weren't very good, because they were. But when I think of classic Simpsons, and I think of our discussion of a few weeks ago, I watched um, the PTA Disbands. Yeah. Round Springfield, uh, which is the Bleeding Gums Murphy reappearance. Yeah. And the Springfield connection when Marge becomes a police officer, and those three, uh, I was like, "Wow, this, this this feels like much later. This feels like maybe season eight stuff." Because not only okay, maybe the plots weren't super wacky, um, but also they were very Marge and Lisa heavy, and just not really that funny. Mm. Luckily, their book ended by two very good episodes: Two Dozen and One Greyhounds and Lemon of Troy. But those three episodes in a row, uh, episodes 21 to 23 of season six, ugh, I don't know. It's just there's a little dip in that season six for me. I also watched, um, jumped ahead to season seven. I watched a very good episode. One that wasn't on our list, I don't think. Maybe it was. I don't have the file anymore. I deleted it. But um, Bart Sells His Soul. Oh, yes. Very, yeah. very, very good. Very, very good. 
Um, aside from that, I catching up on Mandalorian. Haven't yet watched the season two finale, but that's the next episode for us. We watched the uh, three of them today, episodes five, six, and seven. Uh, I thought they were very good. I thought the fifth episode in particular was the one I liked the most. Um, even if that was kind of imperfect, uh, I really liked how that episode looked. It had, um, obviously not spoiling anything for Barry. It, it was set on, on a, a very desolate, um, I don't know how far you are into Ghost of Tsushima, Barry, but there's an area in Ghost of Tsushima that felt very like that, uh, okay. a kind of, uh, mm-hmm. a desolate old forest kind of feel mm. with not a lot of foliage and it, it was kind of shot very like with foggy backgrounds and you know the way there's some like video games like i don't know like a rayman or a donkey kong that uses like very layered backgrounds yeah very good effect. It, it kind of felt like that also um introduced a character that i felt as though they expected you knew already from other things and i didn't and so they didn't bother to spend any time really building that person's character at all which felt very bland to me mm. um but I thought otherwise the episode was very good. Episode six, I thought was, let me try to remember which one that was. I thought it was very good. Again, they introduced the character in a, in a way that I thought was much more satisfying than it, it had any right to be and didn't feel at all like forced or, or bland like the one in episode five. And then episode seven, I thought was also, also very good. Felt a little bit, felt a little bit, uh, not Mad Maxi per se, but something like maybe the general or like an old fashioned kind of chase <laughs> chase movie. It felt a little bit like that. Sure. Um, and yeah, I thought the unlike season one where I thought there was like a, a definite dip in quality in the middle. I think season two has been kind of solid throughout. Um, very excited to watch the finale, which we'll probably do maybe tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, so what about yourself, Joe? I know you've been watching Mandalorian as well. Have you finished the season? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, watched the uh final episode on, on Friday. Um, I won't, I won't go too much into that final one because I think we can have a good old chat about that once we've all watched it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'd be interested to hear your opinions on it. It's kind of a decent episode overall, but uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of opinions. I've seen going both ways on that final episode. So okay, I have an open mind, although it takes a lot for Star Wars to really wow me mm. these days. Especially when two of the three episodes we watched featured them fighting stormtroopers again. <laughs> okay, enough, mm. enough. There are other things in the world than stormtroopers. No, it's not. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, good stuff in there. Uh, and uh, again, two of the episodes were, were like 25 minutes long, excluding the uh, credits and stuff. And it just feels like sometimes they don't give enough time <laughs> to stuff to feel important or feel fleshed out. But then that middle episode, I think episode six, which I think was the Robert Rodriguez one that he directed. I think that one that one was about 45 minutes. That was a good, good long episode. So I appreciated that. Yeah. So that's that's all the TV I've watched uh, this week was just The Mandalorian. Um, I do, however, have one of our uh, more recent features 
to bring back. It's C.S. Peasons. Ah, yes. Simpsons, where we uh, check in on our good friends at the Simpsons and see um, the equip. Look at take a look at the equivalent episode of where they are to where we are. So obviously episode 500. Oh, wow. I've got episode 500 of The Simpsons. Uh, this was broadcast on May the 15th, 2011. So wow. it's quite an old one itself. They, they passed 500 a while ago. I can't I can't imagine how bad this is going to be considering like the 300th one was like the Tony Hawk episode, which was yeah. fairly like just, I would say, below subpar episode. So what is this going to be? This is um, it's quite a long description as well, <laughs> a plot description as well, so buckle up. <clears throat> okay. After returning from a shop that sells returned wedding cakes, Maggie gets locked in the car with the key inside. While searching for the spare keys, the Simpsons discover a collection of keys to every door in Springfield. Lisa uses a key and finds a hidden classroom full of theatre props underneath the school. She is intrigued by the discovery and shares it with Principal Skinner. But when she brings along the school newspaper, they only find what is supposed to be behind the door. The banned, banned books. Don't know what that means. It becomes apparent that Skinner and Superintendent Chalmers are hiding something when they snatch the key from Lisa. She has the key replicated and returns to the door on her own and finds the classroom is back. It had been hidden behind a phony set of bookshelves. She also sees a mysterious figure writing, The children are on bus 23 on the chalkboard. Lisa is determined to solve the mystery of the hidden room. Meanwhile, Bart tries causing mayhem with the keys, but accidentally does good deeds with them and ends up with the key to the city. Marge and Maggie find a key for a wind-up toy train called the Pootatoot Express, which makes farting noises when it moves. The toy gets away from them, and they chase it throughout the city. Homer uses a key to get into the Duff Beer Brewery with Barney and goes joyriding in the Duff Blimp. <laughs> To get more information about Bus 23, Lisa and Bart Bart ask Nelson. Nelson explains Bus 23 was a bus full of children that was supposed to drive over a dangerous ice bridge, but was never heard from again. The Skinner and Superintendent Chalmers covered up the loss of the children. Lisa tells Bart about the room and the two ask Homer to fly them to the lake where the ice bridge would be. Lisa falls out of the blimp and into, into the water, where she sees the submerged Bus 23. Homer dives in to save her. They find all of the children inside the bus are actually mannequins. Homer and Lisa are saved by the Pootatoot Express, which knocks over a tree for them to grab just before the bus falls apart. The mysterious figure is revealed to be Otto, who's relieved to discover he is not responsible for the death of the children, as he was the driver of the particular bus. How how long is this this a feature-length episode? It feels like I'm describing the movie. Anyway, Chalmers and Skinner try to flee to Bolivia, but are stopped by Bart, who has Skinner's car key and forces them to explain everything. Years earlier, the school had received a large grant for the purpose of improving its classrooms. Skinner cashed the check, but left the money in his pants pocket, and his mother inadvertently destroyed it when she washed his laundry. With the help of groundskeeper Willie, Chalmers and Skinner built a fake classroom, photographed it to fool the government, used mannequins as students. They put the mannequins on bus 23 to have Otto return them, before they forbore, huh, before being charged the extra day for renting the mannequins, but the ice bridge gave out and the bus went into the lake. Chalmers and Skinner apologised to Otto for letting him believe he killed a busload of students and all is forgiven. No further mention of the rental money is made, though Skinner says they anticipated the wedding cakes, but not Maggie locking herself in the car. 
and Chalmers chastises him for not anticipating Maggie's birth. The epilogue ends with Otto driving his bus across an icy bridge, believing that his complement is full of mannequins when he's actually transporting real children. As his bus is close to tipping off the bridge, he comments that perhaps they will fall off slowly as in Inception. He is wrong, and the bus falls into the river. The episode ends with the sound of Otto searching for his keys to let the children off of the bus so they can swim to shore. Wow. Well then, and that that that's like basically like as long as the Hobbit, basically. That, the, yeah. Fucking hell. Sounds I was gonna say to me, okay, if you if you out of your mind for just a minute, forget that this is episode five hundred of The Simpsons, and therefore obviously rubbish. The fart train and the wedding, whatever the wedding th- cake thing was at the beginning, the used wedding cake shop. Yeah, the meat of that sounds like it could be a, a decent enough Hitchcock style mystery. Yeah, the mystery, yeah, it sounds interesting. Yeah, um, so I, I, you know, there's there's been worse rundowns to me. Uh, obviously, there's shite tacked in where Bart uses the key for like, okay, was, who cares? And why does Bart always help Lisa with these things? Bart wouldn't care about what Lisa's doing. That is dumb. Um. But yeah, there there's been worse episode descriptions, I think. There there has been um, worse that had something yeah interesting to it. Um, I also realised I just read out completely the wrong episode description. Oh, Joe! <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't have we don't have another half hour to read the actual episode. Yeah. Is this episode description the the fake bookcase behind which the this real the episode? Fake we'll, we'll, read the, we'll read the real one ne- next week. Okay. See, I I, go- I just quickly googled Simpsons five hundred, and that was the first episode that came up. There's actually just an episode that's called five hundred something. So anyway, uh... weirdly, the real five hundred has Julian Assange as a guest. What? <laughs> so it says here. Soon, right. soon, soon to be pardoned. Jesus, right? We will we, we'll read that one next week. Okay. Well, we're not we're not doing a show next week, but we'll read. I it mean, we'll read that first New one. Year. Of the new year, we were, so I hope you enjoyed that one. Anyway, that sounded, uh, yeah, absolutely. What, what number episode is that actually? Um, oh, I'll close it down now. <laughs> Twenty-four. It's it's close to five hundred because I think it's the same season. It's uh, I don't know. I don't know. Hang on. This is this is this is the, possibly the highlight of our podcast. This oh, five hundred keys is the name of the episode. Five hundred keys. It doesn't say the episode. It's it's episode four hundred and eighty-five. Oh, okay. That's annoying that they have an episode so close to five hundred with yeah. five hundred in the title. But anyway, that was CSMCP Simpsons. Lovely. Uh, uh, what about the game? Goff? who's been playing? We got more Mario this week. We do. I'm on Mario Sunshine still. Ooh. Do you want to hazard a guess how many shines I'm on? Uh, I haven't completed it. I haven't completed it. I'll say 72. I'll go 73. Oh, Joe with the uh, Price is Right <laughs> trick. Joe, you're, you're the closest. Ah. I'm on 98 shines. Okay. I was going to say 75 anyway. So. Yeah, I'm... Um, I've, I've a hundred, even though I said I wasn't gonna, I did hit a bit of a spurt in the week and I've, I've hundred percented the first five levels. 
Okay. Of the only seven worlds that are in the game, <laughs> which is you, you do feel very shortchanged that there are, there are only seven levels. Yeah. Um, and as I've hit the spurt, I'm I'm a little bit more sympathetic to the game than than I was. Um, there are things about it that I really like. Um, mm. very few of which are actually to do with the design of the game. <laughs> For instance, I I like how the side jump feels in the game and i use it all the time mm-hmm. um and i i also like how the wall jumps feel in it the, the, the wall jumps in super mario 64 are very unforgiving whereas in sunshine he kind of slides on the wall just that extra second to let you hit a to, to, to do do the wall jump and so maybe in 64 the fact that it's more difficult makes it more satisfying in a way but it makes sunshine easier and therefore more, more satisfying to play um yeah uh i still some of the levels i'm still amazed like how did this game like how could they have not have put more into the game during its development cycle i I understand Mm -hmm. that it was like rushed out at the time but the levels are so small on there are only seven only seven levels and some of the levels are smaller than mario 64 levels yeah like noki bay which is like the token water level is tiny um and also the uh the underwater controls are dreadful um there is some because you're on the beach in some levels there's some swimming you do to collect the coin Mm. under the water it's just like press b to dive down right but then for this level they decided uh those controls don't work anymore you um the controls now, when you go into the underwater sections, are Mario sinks like a stone, and you press like the right trigger, and sh- that'll like shoot the flood, and and will like shoot you up back up 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 uh, vertically, right? It controls horribly. There's like no accuracy to it at all. You can be going for a coin uh, that you'll see it like okay, there's a coin at 45 degrees to me. Let me just hold forward on the control stick as I fall. Uh, and then you're like tapping R very slightly to <laughs> judder your way along to it. Mm. It controls like piss. Um, <laughs> what else? Yeah, I'm I'm on the. F- I haven't fully completed Noki Bay yet. Uh, I mm. I've got all the shines, but I haven't got the thirty blue shines on that one yet, which I've done for the other five levels. Um, and I'm on the final level. I've started the final level now because I just wasn't in the mood to get the blue coins. So I was like, ah, I'll just move on to the next one. Um, one thing I'll say as well, there, there was one level. Which one? What's it called? Um, the one with the hotel. Do you remember the name of that level, Joe? Uh, it's another beach, isn't it? Something, Something beach. Yeah, beach yeah. It's not Gelato Beach because that's the earlier one. Is it not Gelato Beach? I don't think so. I think Gelato Beach is the one with the watermelon level. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't remember what it's called, but there's one level, and it's set at like twilight, yeah. and so it looks different than all the other levels. I was like, oh, this level looks nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you then spend ninety percent of your time on that level inside and not <laughs> <laughs> not outside at all in the world. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's a bit of a waste. Um, the the hotel itself was probably my favorite part of the game, though. Um. Yeah, it's okay. It's a haunted house level, basically. Yeah, be- because it feels different to everything else in the game. Yeah. Whereas everything else feels very the same. Um, 
that was the one thing I, I liked the um the shine where you are like the the mystery of the hotel and there's like paintings that you can jump through and there's like a little a little secret path through the hotel you have to take and that was fun kind of working my way through that that was that was quite fun mm. um i still detest yoshi yoshi is the worst thing about the game um there was one shine in particular i think it was on the the rico harbor where you have to use yoshi to like jump across platforms Oh my god, falling into the water, going back, getting the fruit the Yoshi wants, giving it to Yoshi, back to... Ah! Oh, the game punishes you so much for not doing things right the first time. Mm. Um, and there's so... Why is there so much of an emphasis on... Do you know the secret levels? That There's some secret levels that take 10 minutes to get to the secret level. Yeah. And then if you don't do it first time, you have to do it all again. I just don't want to do it all again. I did it already. No. So, very frustrating game. But um, I've only 22 shines left. We'll see if I get it finished. I I don't know. I still don't know if I will, as close as I am to it. Because um, mm. I haven't done yet the Pachinko game. Oh, yeah. I haven't done yet the Lilypad uh, one. That's fucking Red coin one. Because I just, I just don't want to do them. <laughs> just like, I know about them. I don't know if I... I think I've done the Pachinko one before. I don't think I've ever done the lily pad one. And um, I, I don't know. I just don't know if I have the patience. What I what I remember about the Pachinko one is that, like, the controls just don't work as they normally do. And, the, again, the game is just super punishing mm. if you don't do it right. Um, there's also one that it's in the Delfino Plaza overworld that you have to get Yoshi and jump across from, like, boat to boat out to an island. And that, again, it takes like 10 minutes to do. That's how you get to the lily pad one. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's part of the, the why that's the worst episode, uh, the yeah. worst level. To get there, you have to do that. <laughs> and if you die, you have to do that again. Yeah. That is, is... It would be bad enough, right? If, if, if you die, you just have to go back and get Yoshi. But it's not only that. You have to go back to Yoshi, see what fruit Yoshi wants. Okay, where's, where is there a pineapple on the level? Oh, go find a pineapple. Oh, oh my papaya. god. Little can. Get my papaya. Go on an island. Oh, god, it's such a pain in the arse. Um, yeah. Anyway. Um, I'm done with Hyrule Warriors as well. I, I didn't, like, complete, complete the game. Um... I, I I beat this I think I said this last week. I beat the like story mode. I was doing the DLC stuff and I just reached the point like I did with Assassin's Creed Odyssey where I was like, ah, I've played enough of this game now. Uh, I'm done. <laughs> so I just deleted it off my Switch. I don't need to play it anymore. Uh played a little bit more golf story. Um, I'm, I'm about two hours into it. Uh it's fun. If it was five hours long, I'd probably stick with it. Yeah. But the fact that it's 15. It's it's already starting to lose me. Where I'm like, yeah, you know, the golf is fun and uh, the writing is cute, but like, you know, yeah, the writing is cute, but I don't know that it's enough to flesh out a big RPG. And okay, in terms of RPGs, it's not very big. Typically, your RPG is going to be like 50, 60 hours. But even like 15 hours of this fairly simple, kind of bland RPG, like ugh, I don't know if that's enough to really grab me, especially when I've potentially watchdogs around the corner in five days yeah i don't know if golf story is gonna it's gonna last unfortunately um 
Uh, that's all I've been playing, I think. What about you, Joe? How's the, how's the gaming Odyssey going for you? Um, it's going well. I started um, Super Mario Galaxy. Oh, oh, baby. Last week. This is the final um, Super Mario game that, that, that I've... The only one I haven't played. Well, if, Galaxy 2 as well, of course. Right. Um, yeah, started last week. At first, I absolutely hated it and thought wow i thought it may actually be bottom of my list wow even even potentially below doki doki panic um i think i just really the the kind of mechanics of it like the gravity running around these little planets it was giving me a headache with mario sort of upside down running around this planet constantly and i was like god if the whole game's like this I i might not even fucking bother playing it <laughs> this is really annoying um but then as it went on and it started to exp- started to explore kind of other lands there's a bit more variety to it um i started to like it more and more i think it is so so different from all the other mario games in terms of kind of how it operates even compared to like sunshine and odyssey where you have the jetpack and, and the hat and everything those do change the game but fundamentally you're still just jumping from one thing to another and squishing things whereas this the mechanics of it are so so different from all the other games that it took a bit of getting getting used to but it's very fun i'm only about 25 stars into it so i'm still still got quite a lot of lot to go um and i think once you get into the later levels you see a bit more variety because the other thing i was thinking early on was is it going to be like sunshine where basically you're just in the space the whole time right and even less variety than Super Mario Sunshine, really, because all you, all you see is kind of planets and space. But actually, once you get a bit further in, that that changes quite a bit. And there's there's a lot more yeah. variety in the levels. And of course, the one thing it has that Sunshine doesn't is that it has a huge amount of stuff to do. It's not just repeating the same level over and over again looking for coins. <laughs> there's there's tons of planets. Every every two minutes, I'm unlocking a new planet. I'm like, whoa, I don't go at the last one yet. And there's another planet coming along. And, you know, there's a lot of good stuff like that. I I found the whole kind of set up to the world a bit b- bizarre and didn't really, f- all this stuff about a comet and then 100 years later, there's a thing and a yeah. cunt saw a star falling and grabbed a thing. And then, <laughs> I, oh, just get on. <laughs> yeah. like, I don't need to know this. Just, just get me into the space station or whatever the hell it is. Um, but yeah, I am enjoying it more and more. The more I play it, I'm definitely. Yeah, I've done some, just some really kind of fun levels. Um, I just played it earlier today. Um, I would say the one, the one real problem with it is the kind of Wii controller type actions that you have to do. Like when I first started playing it, I couldn't figure out how to select anything on the screen yeah i know what you mean you have to move the controller around as if it was like a wii what was it called the wii mote or whatever it was yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like so just to select the save button you have to kind of i was hovering my like pro controller in the middle of the air trying to get it to go over the the save thing (laughs) that was one thing that, that took some getting used to and also just a lot of the levels are kind of built around that kind of gimmickry of the you know, waving your hands around to grab certain right. things. And that, I think even if I was playing on a Wii, I would find that a bit tiresome. But obviously using a just a regular controller, it's quite annoying as well. Um, what, what I did discover after a bit of a playing with it a little bit is you can just use the touch screen on the Switch to get around some of that. 
um, yeah. makes it a little bit easier. So that is something that's slightly annoying, but I wouldn't hold that against the game too much because that's a bit of a kind of console platform thing. Um, yeah, but I am enjoying the game. I can see it. it. I think once I get further into it, I will love it more. It'll start to climb up my my list of uh, Super Mario's. But yeah, it was a rocky rocky start for for Galaxy. Aww. Well, I'm happy to hear you're enjoying it at least. Um, yeah, one thing that's where it's directly different to Sunshine is, as I, as I talked about, Sunshine seven levels. What is it? Thirteen shines per level, give or take, mm-hmm. including all the coins. Um, Galaxy has like what forty levels <laughs> or something, and like three or four things to do per level. So it's um, constantly changing on you. Yeah, I also like the way they use the kind of comets to alter the missions as well. That's quite nice. Yeah. Rather than just going back in and, oh, there's a lot of coins. It's like, oh, there's a comet, and that's changed the gravity, and now you have to, you only have four minutes to complete the level, and it's like, oh, okay, that's a nice uh, nice little gimmick to to yeah. uh, mix things up. So, yeah. Good good and bad for Galaxy so far. But, uh, yeah. Um, I will do, I do have for you, as promised, my Super Mario Super Countdown. Ooh. Which is my countdown of every single um, kind of mainline Mario game. I tell you what, Barry, do you want to do your games first? Sure. Yeah. We'll, we'll uh, run through it there. So um, last couple of days, over over my time off, I <laughs> months ago I was thinking my Christmas break will be dedicated to playing Cyberpunk because um, you know time off work, sink all your time into this great big RPG. But I just, you know, as I mentioned last week, I wasn't really feeling it. Spoiler alert, I continued to not really feel it at all. Um, Just with, like, not very good shooting and really, really not very good stealth. Um, And so, so writing. Like, it wasn't terrible, but I wasn't feeling it. And just countless bugs, some of which were fun and some of which were not were were kind of game-breaking. So I kind of put it to one side and I played some other games for the week, which I'll get to in a second. But then... uh, what day was it? Uh, uh, Thursday evening or, or Friday evening. Um, I think I think Brona had gone to bed. We watched a movie or something, and she went to bed. And I was like, ah, I'm just gonna play a PlayStation for an hour or something just before I go to bed. And I said, you know what? I'll I'll, I'll fire up uh, Cyberpunk, and I played a mission of it. And a guy just went mental and glitched through the wall when I was trying to shoot him and all this other stuff. And I shared a clip. Uh, to Twitter, and someone replied, "Well, congratulations, you you now own a rare game." It's like, what the fuck does that mean? And I checked Twitter, and Sony had delisted it, and were giving people refunds if they wanted one, um, and that whole storm was going down. So I, having already not really been feeling it, and also that same day the game crashed the PlayStation Five again, uh, I decided to plump for that refund. So um, I haven't got it yet. I assume they're getting absolutely hammered. Um, because they don't typically do refunds of all the platforms out there, and I'm including like even the VR headset and PC and all that stuff. Sony are the most rigid and stingy when it comes to refunds, so I imagine they are getting obliterated with requests right now. But uh, yeah, I put it in. I uninstalled it for my PS5, even though I haven't lost the rights to it yet because I haven't got the refund. But I'm like, yeah, I'm done. This is a a bad, poorly made game, uh, and so I have purged it from my. Um, hard drive so that was a, a fun week but uh maybe in three years time when it's finished and it's 20 quid i will uh i will give it another look 
So that's that saga uh, over and done with. Um, I played more bug snacks. I, I think I'm nearly finished that. I might even try and finish it in uh, um, like uh, tomorrow after work. So I, I think I'm pretty close. Still enjoying it. Still cute. Still funny. Um, still kind of weird. Uh, still very weird, actually. And I put a couple more hours into Ghost of Tsushima. Um, I was doing a lot of story missions in that. And I was kind of thinking maybe I'll finish it before this podcast. But I was like, ah, I, I'm enjoying the side quest stuff too much. So I think I'm just going to keep that as a game. I just kind of drop a couple hours into at a time. And I'm not going to rush it. Because I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, it's, it's some fun kind of open world relaxing uh, 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 game that I'll drop in and out of. And, and then uh, one of my wonderful uh, Christmas presents I got from from my girlfriend Brona was uh, Spider Man Miles Morales on the uh, PlayStation, mm. uh, which does come with a, a it was a PS4 version, but it comes with the upgrade for the PS5. So I played about uh, an hour and a half of that, and ooh, baby, it is fantastic. Uh, if you liked the previous game, it's it's more onto that as well, but I think with a more interesting story from what i've seen so far you know if you've watched you know into the spider-verse obviously is a great uh place for people to kind of get familiar with the character but it's got that similar kind of vibe you're playing as a younger more um uh, unsure of himself character who's studying under peter parker um and the story of, of this game is that he's going out of town and so miles is trusted with uh patrolling the streets on his own and that's the setup and uh, it looks incredible uh it's set in winter it's like a christmasy time game which is nice uh, uh and yeah it's just great it's got some slight differences between the the, the previous game uh, miles has like an, an electric power and, and things like that and and they they put some nice touches on his like animations and they've tweaked little bits here or there but it is very much kind of like hey here's more of that of that spider-man game you all liked a couple of years ago um, yeah, but it's lovely. It's got the fancy, you know, next gen reflections, so that when you cling onto the side of a building, it's it's one for one image with yourself, and it's it's a very 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 nice looking game. Uh, so yeah, I'm glad I'm glad to be playing that instead of Cyberpunk. Um, yeah, so I will. Uh, that's apparently reasonably short. So hopefully, I will have it finished and give a more thorough thoughts on the story once we come back in the new year. But, uh, yeah, that's my games for this week. Uh, Joe, if you want to get into the all-important Super Mario Super Countdown. Well, here we go. Um, yeah, so as, as uh, promised, I've, I've played all nine of the kind of... Well, actually, it's ten. All, I've played nine of the main kind of Super Mario games uh, since the summer. Um, and I'm going to rank all of them here. As noted, obviously, I haven't finished Super Mario Galaxy. I'm only like a quarter of the way through that. So that could go up in future if I redo the list, but yeah. you know, we'll see. So bear, bear that in mind. Okay, so from number nine. Number nine, probably no surprise. It is uh, Super Mario Brothers 2, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, was originally a game called Doki Doki Panic. It wasn't even really a Mario game. Uh, it was just kind of redesigned with the characters stuck in it. Very frustrating, kind of ugly-looking game that I've <laughs> struggled to get through. Um, it, it barely even belongs on the list. It's, it's a pretender. Yeah. It's an imposter on this list. So that's why it sits at number nine. Not not very good. Um, moving up, number eight is Super Mario Sunshine. Um, so game I reviewed not too long ago, as Paul has, has you know eloquently put it in this episode, it's a very limited game, only the, the seven kind of levels or worlds, whatever you want to call them, with repetitive 
uh, coin collecting, very kind of repetitive scenery. Um, doesn't feel specifically like a Mario game either. either. It feels like Mario's kind of turned up in another game. Um, and yeah, I, I do still enjoy it to a degree. Um, and I think after you play it for a while, you kind of learn to love it. But ultimately, you know, in a list full of amazing games, it's going to come near the bottom. Yeah. Uh, number seven, Super Mario Galaxy. Um, it's quite low on this list, but as I mentioned, you know, haven't fully kind of finished it yet. I haven't seen the ending, haven't played all the harder levels, so it could go up. But it is definitely a really, I say the best thing about the music is absolutely fantastic on Super Mario Galaxy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just kicking back and listening to the music is probably, I mean, other than the iconic sort of Mario theme. Like the music's probably the best of all the games. So I've been really enjoying that. And it looks it looks fantastic. They have a lot of fun with the, the gravity kind of bending levels. So it's certainly a, a really, really good solid game and a, and a lot of fun. So it'll be interesting to see if that climbs up my list in, in future years. At number six, uh, Super Mario Brothers 3. Um, so this was released on uh, the NES back in the day. Uh, I never really got that into Super Mario Brothers 3 because I think Super Mario World came out shortly after and I was more of a SNES guy at that point because I'd got my Super Nintendo, started playing that. So I, I don't have the kind of nostalgia for Super Mario Brothers 3 that I know a lot of people do. A lot of people put it as like the best game ever in, in the series. And I'm not sure I really agree with that. It is very fun, but it's quite a strange little game as well. It it didn't quite have the, the range of Super Mario World but it was definitely a step up from the original one. So coming in number six, not one of my personal favorites, but definitely a good game. Number five, The Lost Levels. So this is the alternative Super Mario 2. Um, I played that recently, thoroughly enjoyed it. It's basically a pro version of the original Super Mario Brothers. Much harder levels, more levels in there. If you play the remastered um, All-Stars version, it looks absolutely fantastic as well. Surprised that that came in so high. That was a bit of a, a sleeper one for me. I wasn't expecting to enjoy that as much as I did, but it was so, so good. It was it was exactly what I was looking for. Number four, we're getting into the, the top boys now. Super Mario 64. Super Mario 64 coming in at number four. Okay. Now... It's another game that I didn't... I don't have as much nostalgia for that game as a lot of people, just, I think, as an age thing. You know, I was... That came out in, what, 96? Was it yeah. 96, 97? So I was kind of 12 or 13 by then, so I'd already been through a few consoles. It, obviously, the first 3D game, it was kind of groundbreaking, but going back and playing it recently, it was also incredibly frustrating uh, in terms of the camera and in terms of a lot of the controls and everything. Really kind of annoyed me. However, it also is just an incredibly iconic game. Some, so many of those levels are embedded in the, in the Mario history, you know, dropping the penguin off the cliff and uh, <laughs> <laughs> all those kind of level, you know, racing the Cooper and everything. Like, it's, it's, it is a fantastic game still. But I think just the time has kind of put it in a position where I couldn't rank it above the, a few of the others. Number three... Super Mario Brothers, the original Super Mario game. Still a classic, brilliant music, brilliantly conceived, fantastic kind of range of worlds, considering, you know, how limited the game was and the technology at that time. Um, it, it does such a good job at, at making it feel like a real kind of, you know, odyssey to get through each of those worlds. Um, still a really, really fun game to play. And I've been playing that a lot recently with Super Mario 35. 
uh, being on the Switch, and it's still a fantastic game. I'm very curious as to how one and two are going to go. Here we go, baby. Here we go, Super Mario. So, at number two, and I thought long and hard about this, number two, Super Mario Odyssey. Okay. Okay. Mario Odyssey at number two. So I kind of picked this up. Obviously, you know, I bought a Switch earlier in the year, and of course you've got to buy Mario Kart and you've got to buy the Mario game. That's just obvious, you know. It wasn't a decision that I wanted to play it. You had to play it, basically. Got Odyssey, popped it in. At first, I was like, oh, you know, I haven't played a Mario game in so long. Like, Sunshine was the last one I played. This is so, so different. You know, it's been, like, what, t- 10 years between the two of those releases. So at first, it took a while to get used to. Um, but after a couple of levels, I was just completely taken by it, completely <laughs> in love with the game. It was so much fun, so much, so easy to play, great music. It looked beautiful, fun, creative level, so much nostalgia in it, references to the old games. And, you know, it took me kind of weeks to, to get through it all and, and doing the 100% of the game. It is just epic. The amount of stuff there is to do in the game is just absolutely insane and then they never drop the level of creativity throughout the game you know despite how much there's quantity and quality throughout the entire game and that's what really impressed me with it so much and then the ending was probably the best ending to any of these games my personal favorite ending um and then the final kind of crazy dark side of the moon beyond the dark side of the moon level was uh was insane as well so yeah odyssey is just absolutely brilliant i can't wait to replay that at some point uh, next year and years ahead however at number one is still my favorite is still super mario world uh, on the snes so this was very much my game growing up this was on you know the snes was the i got when i was six or seven played super mario world endlessly and i think it still holds up as a fantastic game as well it it had all the kind of secret hidden paths and levels. It was quite difficult, but not insanely difficult like some of the earlier games where you have to go back to the beginning if you die and you know it's just impossible. Like it, it was a good balance between being incredibly challenging um, but also kind of doable. And also had all the kind of secret stuff to uncover, which is fantastic as well. And just great grain pay. It also had probably the probably the best edition of Yoshi it was obviously the the first appearance of him and I think I don't think any any kind of addition to the game is is quite it's quite done what Yoshi did in that game like the ability to fly eating enemies and things like that was was fantastic as well so very close race at the top between one and two but I just edged it uh, in favor of Super Mario World interesting Uh, and that's it that's the that's the Super Mario Super Countdown um, I may need to revisit that in in years ahead. We'll see how that changes, but yeah, for the for the moment, uh, sixty four Super Mario Brothers Odyssey and World. That's the that's the top four there. Have you um, did you ever play Yoshi's Island? Um, yes, yes, I did. Because right, that was um, released as uh, the subtitle Super Mario World Two. As you might recall, not in my mind, not really a Mario game. Yeah, I. I mean, I love it. I love that game, but it's a Yoshi game. It's not a Mario game. You don't play as Mario, control Mario. But it was released for some reason, Super Mario World Two. 
Yeah, 3D World is out next year. Let's not forget. That might be one, one to add to the list. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, the Switch version. Um, yeah, we'll be I don't know if you'll ever have the chance to play 3D Land, which was released on the 3DS, but that's also a fantastic game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not a big fan of the modern 2D Mario games. I don't like how they look or feel. Mm. <laughs> um, like new Super Mario Bros. and all that. Yeah. But um, very good list. I don't think um, I would argue with any of your points. I mean, obviously, having beaten Galaxy, I think Galaxy is probably going to go higher on the list. Yeah. But otherwise, I think that's that's a solid list. Yeah, um, it's it's a tough one because there's lots of good games in there, and it you know, like is Sunshine that bad? Not really. It's, it's Not really, but comparatively, it is. Yeah, behind those those big boys at the top, you know. Yeah, struggles, but yeah. Well, that's that's um, yeah, game. That's the wrap on Super Mario for the for the year for me. It's been yeah, one thing for Barry also about Cyberpunk. I was listening to a podcast today. Uh, called Three Red Lights, hmm. which was IGN's Xbox podcast um, back in like 2006. Okay, and I'm listening. <laughs> I'm listening to it today because they recently put out uh, a new podcast, their first podcast, like a one-off podcast with the old, the old crew. The first one in like 12 years or something. And I was like, oh, I want to spend more time with these people, so I started listening to the old episodes. But they're talking about like, oh, Mass Effect looks good. That looks interesting. Um, but one thing they're talking about on the... I was listening to episode three today. And they're talking about the uh, Xbox Live uh, marketplace and the Xbox Live functionality overall. And they're saying, you know, one thing that they do is, you know, your game's got to work. It's yeah. got to, you know, if they're going to put it up on the marketplace. And I was like, wow, this was 13 years ago. And Cyberpunk is still having this issue in 2020. <laughs> yeah, it does because it, uh, plenty of people are trying to justify it as oh, it's not that broken. They don't fix it. It's like nah, it's 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 broken. It's taking the mick out of the modern standards we have with regards to to, to patching and things like that. Uh, it, it, it's very very frustrating. And now, in the midst of all our various guffs and our reviewing bits and bobs, we are going to take a reprieve. And have our now regular, much anticipated uh, milestone episode quiz segment with uh, CSP fan extraordinaire, longtime emailer, and regular re- reoccurring guest, more so than anyone else. It's Scott the Boy McAvoy. Scott, how are you doing this Sunday Eve? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you. Thanks very much for, well, as I said earlier, and you'll hear this when you listen to the podcast, thank you very much for your continued support here as we reach 500 episodes. Um, You've been there with us as long as anyone else. Anyone that I can recall who still reaches out to us uh, every now and then, I think you are still uh, the the, the longest standing uh, uh, supporter. And uh, and we do love these segments where we expose how bad our memories are. Uh, So without further ado, I think I'll pass over to you, Scott. All right. Thank you very much. And once again, it's it's great to be here, guys. I do enjoy the show. It is fun to hear about your lives and hear what's going on, especially since, for the most part, wrestling is still very bad right now. Right. But I have a quiz for you from the last 49 episodes. It has a possible of 23 points this year. Mm. Oh, my God. So One thing that I've been thinking about this year is every time we do an episode and, and I'm editing it afterwards, I think there was nothing really for scott's quiz this episode <laughs> so you i don't know, know if the, it was... the covid shutdown for everything has kind of put a 
put a, a kink in some of the stuff because you guys don't get to go out and, and hit the town and have your adventures exactly. and go yeah. vacation and things like that, which is where a lot of the funny stuff comes. Like the the my favorite vacation quote was I stepped out of the shower looking like a wet Michelin man. <laughs> <laughs> so we will start with episode four fifty one, Scary Movie Six. While Barry was discussing watching watching a torture porn movie with a lady, who asked, "Did your ma'am like it?" <laughs> Ooh. Hmm. Right, this is a triple header because I don't know who said the Michelin Man quote that you made a second ago. <laughs> I don't know what movie this was about or who said it. Well, Paul, you said the Michelin Man quote because you were on vacation when the fire alarm went off and you happened to... Oh, the fire alarm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do remember that. Um, okay. I probably wasn't, wasn't Barry. I, I will say for this, for the official question, I will say Joe said it. Okay. I, I agree it does sound a bit like me. I wouldn't be surprised yes. if it was Paul, but I'm going to go for me. Yeah, I'll say Joe as well. Well, you're all wrong, because Paul, you said it. Was oh, Off to a flying start. This is one of those things where every time we do this quiz, if you go look back, every one of you will say, oh, I can't imagine so-and-so had said that. It has got yeah. to be the other guy. And it's it always the is. You yeah. think it you're is. Proving that we not, on, not only have bad memory, but also bad perception of each other as well. Yeah, okay, I'm going to put that strategy into play. <laughs> In that same episode, who said Mike Myers went on to star in Halloween and The Love Guru? <laughs> uh, I think I think I said that. Uh, hmm. uh, I think I said that. Oh, wow. I was leaning Joe, but to split the difference, I'll say that I said <laughs> One of us is well, right. Joe, you are correct. You yeah, said okay. that. Yes, yes, yes. So first points to Joe. Episode 452, Airplane Spin. Who said, if there was a fish right here, I'd kick it to death. <laughs> <laughs> Why would anyone say that? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I think that sounds like a pole thing to say. Yeah, I think historically the perception again, playing on the perception, the perception of the podcast is that I am some kind of maniac. <laughs> animal abuser, which is not the case. Well, Paul, I don't know about um, animal abuser, but you did say you wanted to have a kickabout and kick some kids. Mm. I don't remember that. But okay, I probably did. <laughs> um, yeah, me. Go on. I'll say Paul as well, yeah. You are all correct. Paul said that. What was the context of that? Do you remember? In all truth, I don't know. <laughs> I just got it down because it made a me a mad laugh. quote. <laughs> Well, that's half the fun, is taking just the quote itself and not giving the yeah, context. Because I used to have a pet fish, and I was really protective of it, so that's a mad thing for me to be saying. Well, speaking of taking quotes out of context, who asked the question, do we really need God? And followed <laughs> up by, I don't really have a relationship with God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Harry, Harry, I think. That sounds like me. Yeah, I don't remember it, but it sounds like me. 
Uh, I'll say Barry. You are correct. And Barry, you were talking about the Gorillas of Destiny in OTT. Ah! <laughs> ah very good. Uh, wow, yeah. Yeah, like the quotes, they came in and had a very forgettable match. Yeah. <laughs> Episode 454. Darby All Out. What sport, with inverted commas, did Paul find out really wasn't a sport? It was more an excuse to get drunk. Oh. Uh, I know. I know. I know this one, I think. I think I know as well. Is it... Was it... Oh, no. Because I don't want to say it because Joe is going to swoop in and say it. I, Joe, do you want to go first, mate? I the darts. Yeah, I, I, think, it's, I think it's a dart. Yeah. So you're all saying darts? You're all incorrect. Oh, what? Barry got drunk playing bingo. Oh, yeah! <laughs> Is that more a testament to me than the art, though? I don't know. Because I was watching darts today. That's why it was fresh in my mind. Oh, that's so weird. Yeah, because I have had conversations with friends. I'm like, we should, we should go to the darts at some stage. And I was saying to my brother, is it not fair that some of the darts players are playing on like the afternoon of new year's day i said because they still have the performance enhancing effect of being drunk the night before in that same episode one of you went somewhere and declared leaving one of the highlights of the year where did he go <laughs> gosh um so is the question who said it or where did they go? Where did they go? You could do either. I'll get. I'll tell you what. I'll give you a point for either one. We'll bounce the points up one. Oh my god! Oh, I, I, I think I know, but I, I, uh, I'm not certain. I don't think I went anywhere horrible in the last year, did I? Um, I'll guess it just because it sounds like something that I say, but I don't remember this. But it, did I say it about leaving Dublin? Okay. Um, next. Hmm. I really don't know. I don't think it would be me. This probably would have been around the time I was going to the US, but I wouldn't have said mm. I was leaving there. So I think it's one of those two, but I have no idea. I'll say somewhere in Ireland. Oh, where is a place? In it was Ireland? a specific. I'll get. I'll change. I'll Barry, I'll let you specific change your place. answer because it was a specific event. Oh, an event. oh. and what number episode was this? Four fifty-four. Uh, um, I'll stick with myself and say leaving WrestleMania that I went to, but I, I, I'm really stumped on this one. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'll say like some kind of festival. I'm trying to think. Like, okay, I know this would have episode would have been maybe January. Or maybe last December. I, I don't know. It depends how how quickly we get through 40-something episodes. But I think we were pretty good this year. I've not missed too many weeks. Mm. Um, so maybe was it one of the OTT shows? Maybe in like Tala or something like that. They were a pain to get to. Mm. Um, I'll, say it was, I'll say it was Barry and say that that was the quote. Okay. Joe, who did you say it was? I, I said a non-specific festival. Okay. But who said it? Oh, who said it? Um... I don't know, me. Well, I'll give you a point for what you said. 
it was the Vampire Weekend concert uh, you went to and declared it to be one of the worst things you'd done in yeah, years. In in my life, probably. Because yeah. <laughs> Michelle really likes Vampire yes. Weekend, right? Yeah, it wasn't. I don't mind the music because we have seen them before and it was fine. It was just really packed. Right. And I stood there for like three hours with someone back right in front of me <laughs> just, just couldn't move it was horrendous yeah oh, i know episode 455 steak of cork in me <laughs> <laughs> who said that when you compared what a real christmas tree to an artificial christmas tree looked like the real one looked like 50 percent of a christmas tree <laughs> I don't think it was me. We, we bought an artificial one last year, and I don't think I would have been slagging it off. Yeah, I'm thinking who has a vendetta against real Christmas trees? Mm. I'm going I'm to go Paul. I'm going to say myself. Yeah, I think I'm going to say me as well, because I think we only very once or twice had a real tree, because I'm allergic to them. Paul, you did say that. Wow. Yeah. So to give a quick update on the points so far, we are at Barry with two, Paul with three, and Joe with five. <laughs> wow. Okay, well, Barry, we need to take All this right, Joe. Right, we gotta take him down. Take him down. Okay. Episode four fifty seven, the twenty twenty of the year awards. What was Paul doing that cost him to say it was long and hard, not like a penis? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Um, right, let me think. Not a penis. Wow. Um, was he uh, compiling his year-end award list? Um, of the years, okay. I, th- I think... Hmm. This is a tricky one. I'm thinking it refers to like a match or something. A match or a movie or something. Uh, yeah, a vi- maybe a video game. I think maybe. it's a game that Paul played that was long and hard. Mm, 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 mm. Well, I will say this for you guys. It is something that none of you do very often, but it's something I do very often. Work. Work until <laughs> half past five. <laughs> 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 wow, I'm a lazy man. <laughs> Episode 465, The World is Enough. Paul dropped a bombshell to Natty on this episode while watching TV show, while watching a TV show. What TV show were, were they watching? Hmm. Oh my god. He dropped a bombshell. What what okay, what would Paul be watching that would cause him to um <laughs> Um, base purely the show has been referenced quite a bit on this show this year yeah based on based purely on just what he's watched this year I will guess and say RuPaul (laughs) I was going to say Drag Race he just turned to that and he went I was a drag queen once (laughs) (laughs) I'll go I'll say Celebrity MasterChef or or MasterChef whatever the professionals okay well Barry and Paul you are correct it was RuPaul's Drag Race excellent Two bonus points. If you can name, this was not on the show, this was on Twitter, that after that episode, I tweeted to you guys and said there was something I thought the bombshell was going to be. (laughs) 
Oh my god. That he once worked until six in the evening. <laughs> <laughs> no, please, it has to be believable. It has to be reasonable, yeah. It has to be, it has to be. Oh my goodness. Um, um, I have no idea. That's right. This is like I said. This is an obscure one, just to see if somebody remembers something to do with my my burgeoning homosexuality. I was I was I was going to say I'll stick with my original answer that he was in Drag Race. (laughs) Close. I thought he was going to tell Natty that Paul was going to be on the next season. Drag Race. (laughs) Now my makeup skills aren't good enough. Keep practicing. To be fair, I saw right. Let me quick segue. We were in a shopping center today because Natty got a new phone. It's not working, so she get it repaired, right? And I saw some uh, six, maybe not even sixteen, like fourteen, fifteen-year-old girls mm. pass by, and seriously, with the makeup they had on, they looked like clowns. <laughs> <laughs> and it got me like I'm so used to um, Drag Race, where everyone is made up immaculately mm. with makeup and i'm like the fucking state of real people's makeup it's crazy it's ruined it for me wow i hope you told them this as you were walking past um i didn't want to get close to them they didn't have masks on so I let them <laughs> pass on by I, but i did think that they looked like well, what are they what are they gonna put masks on and get all their lovely makeup all over their masks what well lovely very <laughs> anyway <laughs> episode 467 Diamond in the guff. <laughs> when, when told that he may need a new crown on his tooth, who told the net? Who told the dentist? I'm already the king, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, only one of us has had a crown this year. It's got to be Paul. Yeah, Paul. Yeah, yeah, Paul. That is correct. <laughs> it was going to be an easy one, but I love the I love the quote. So. Yeah, the quote the quote's too good to not use. Absolutely. <laughs> Episode 474. Find and replace Elf If Tit. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, yeah, that sounds familiar. I have no idea what that. What? <laughs> okay. I think that might. I'm going to say that was me. And I think it was about some kind of. It wasn't even a question. <laughs> no, but it was. I'm curious where he came up with it, too. Yeah, go on, Joe. I think it was some changing like a movie to make it into a, I don't know, porno or something. Okay. Something like that. What TV show was referred to as a flamboyant gay WrestleMania? Hmm. Flamboyant gay WrestleMania. Probably Eurovision. Mm. Did they have Eurovision this year? They did. It did was they? A, a bastardized version. Oh, it wasn't yeah. like a competition. It was just like, yeah. here's some of the songs that would have been on it. Oh, oh. well. Mm. Yeah, I don't recall talking about that on the show, though. Um, I, know it was, I know it was just an answer, but I'll, I'll go with RuPaul again. Well... I will specifically say I think it was like the finale of one of the RuPaul seasons where they do like a big live show. Well, Barry and Paul, you are correct. It was RuPaul's Drag Race. And some of them take better bumps than the wrestlers do. (laughs) (laughs) Episodes 475, Flaming Joe. 
What? Wrestling? Was this the episode where Joe started watching Drag Race? <laughs> <laughs> the episode where Joe announced he was going to be on next season. <laughs> what wrestler was Barry talking about when he said, he's a big boy, and I'm not talking about his penis? <laughs> <laughs> oh, a big boy. Um, is it maybe maybe a Keith Lee? I was, I was thinking Keith Lee, yeah. Uh, the Brock Lesnar big boy thing. I am going to say Will Hobbs. Okay, you're all incorrect. I will give you a second shot at it because the wrestler in question came up during Chair Shot Has Issues. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> right. Like 2000. Well, I don't, which was the first one we did? Because we didn't go back to 2002 for the first one. I had no idea no, what was the first Oh, nine, was it? Something like that. Oh, my God. I, I don't remember. I don't remember. Um, who's around no nine? Mm. Greg Khali, maybe? Um, that's a tricky one. Um, mm. 2009. I will, st- um, god damn, Viscera. <laughs> I'm gonna have to pass. I've got no idea. It was Davari. What? <laughs> he was very, he was very muscly. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. You're probably talking about his, his, his big, his back and his shoulders. <laughs> Episode 476, Danny Baker with a mustache. When Sean Spears got a new glove, who called it a wanky cloth? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I will say Paul. (laughs) I'd say, I think me. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'll say I'll say me. I don't know. Uh, Joe, you said that. Oh, well, he's winning. And well, he is. It is a very close race, though. Barry has five. Paul has six, and Joe has seven. Oh wow! Okay, we're catching up. Episode four seventy seven. Return of the MC. What quiz was being taken that when Paul told Joe, "I'll give you that one. You got the first part." Joe caused Joe to respond, I don't need your pity. I've got zero <laughs> points and I'm happy with it. Um, <laughs> oh. Maybe a Dwayne Johnson Busters. Have we done any other quizzes? Uh, no, I'm trying to remember. There was a quiz where I trounced to Joe, but I can't remember what it was. Um, oh, we did a... It wouldn't have been Dwayne Johnson Busters, because I've always lost Dwayne Johnson Busters in spectacular fashion. Yeah, especially so a couple of weeks ago. Um, no, there was one. It wasn't. What was it? You did a quiz, and I... Oh, God, I really hammered Joe, and I can't even remember what it was. Uh, what else have we done as a quiz? Um, I know a couple of quizzes I've done, but I'll let you guys guess first. All right, yeah. I think I know the answer, but I'm not going to say it because I don't want to tell everyone. Well, I don't know at all, so I'm going to be up sitting here fucking. I want to. I want to win this fucking. All right, I will. I will pass. I will pass. Okay. After you, Paul. Was it a Simpsons quiz? 
Yeah, was it the? It was the um, Simpsons quiz book that Paul bought. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. It was the Simpsons quiz book. Yeah. yeah. I did that, and I also did a special quiz on like a star is born mm-hmm. that was very difficult this next one was from the same episode it might be my favorite quote of the year oh the quote of the year award oh what was paul talking about when he said it's quite wide and quite long and if i hold it for too long my hands start to hurt mm. <laughs> a strong contender for this year's quotey <laughs> Funnily enough, I didn't follow that one up with a lot of penis. Was I have an idea? Was it a some variety of cage for a small animal? I'm going to say it's a game controller of some description. Ah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was going to guess maybe a Wii U controller. Oh, yeah. I was about to say, I realized, yeah, that was probably what it was. Well, you guys are close, but not quite. It was his 3DS XL. Oh, okay. Close. Okay. Ah, Hamster could live in that. I've been playing too many weird consoles this year. Episode 486, Bucks Fizz Fracas. Someone on the show said, what a nice knob you have. We're talking about the show host podcasting naked. Who said it? And what was he talking about? <laughs> Say it again. Hang on. Someone Say the question on, again. Someone on the show said, what a nice knob you have. When talking about the show hosts podcasting naked. Who said it? <laughs> And who was he talking about? Hmm. <laughs> I I have no idea. I, I'll say Paul on Barry. <laughs> oh, well, of course you would say that. That's very disrespectful. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm going to say the same as well. I thought it was Paul, R.E. me. Maybe the RuPaul got to me. Okay, I'll say me, me as well. Okay. Uh, you're all correct, Paul. You did say it, oh. and you were talking about Barry because, as you put it, he has clown shoes feet. <laughs> <laughs> he does, and I think he'd agree. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't sound very happy about it. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a gift and a curse. You try to buy shoes. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, true. Episode four ninety three. Wake me up before you archipelago go. <sighs> Which one of the hosts watched a movie for the second time and enjoyed it more because, quote, I was a bit of a knob the first time I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's a tough one. It's I think it's either me or Barry. Um, hmm. Have I watched any movies this year that I liked that I haven't previously liked? Ooh, I don't know. I'll say Barry. I'll say I'll say Paul. I'll say me. Okay. Uh, and what movie was it? Ugh. Name that. Um, I'm to think. Here, Barry, mate, what movies did you watch this year? Yeah, let me fire up the old letterbox here. <laughs> only, uh, 
I, I just think I watched um, Hustlers, rewatched Hustlers this year. That's the only thing I can think of. So I did I oh, change my mind on it. So. I'm going to change my guess. Okay. Because I thought I thought of a movie that it might be, and it's, I, I'll say it was me. Maybe it was Hunchback of Notre Dame. Uh, oh, I I have no idea. I'll have to pass on the movie. I have no idea because I think it's Paul, but I can't think of what he would have watched. Well, you guys, Joe got it correct. It was Joe who said it, and the movie was Hustlers. <laughs> Coming down the stretch here, we only have two questions left. Oh my I hate God. to say this. Flown by. Joe has locked it up because Barry is at six, Paul is at eight, and Joe is at 11 points. Wow. Congratulations, Joe. Episode 494 Rich Wasp Porn. Who said, I think he and I have bigger glaring holes than you, and that's not a metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) I think I said that. Yeah, I'll say Barry. I think it might have been me. But I I thought, well, if it was Barry, it was Barry. But it was was about doing uh, brackets about video games, I think. Uh, you are correct, Paul. It was you. You were talking actually about being more of a movie guy, about uh, Joe being more of a movie guy than Paul, than uh, Barry and you. Mm. Episode 498, AEW Invasion. During Movie Guff, a movie was described as slow. Who said, that's a nicer way of saying that it was boring as shit? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, this, this is like. Two episodes ago, guys. Come on. Uh, <laughs> that's I, never mattered before. <laughs> I think that's me. I think that's me. I think so. I, Did I, you watch this I've, been ro- I've been wrong basically every time I've I've said me, but I think it's me. I can't think of any slow movies that I've seen, so I will say Barry as well. I'll say me, because although I, I don't think I said it was shit. I know I watched Midnight Special very recently. I thought it was slow. Uh, actually, it was Barry who said it. Yeah. Okay. Barry. Side note on that same episode, Paul. When you were talking about your favorite bits from the Gilmore Girls, you said, Natty's asleep right now, so she won't mind me saying this. Does that mean you wouldn't have said it if she was awake? <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> I don't know. You were talking about the show, and that's just the part that uh... caught my caught my ear. <laughs> Well, you know, after dark, the when the cat's away. <laughs> no, I don't know. And I have a random pick one for you guys. Oh, here we go. This one is different than other ones I have done in that it is you can only use one service: Netflix, <laughs> Disney Plus, or Amazon. <clears throat> well, one thing we have to take into account here is the Irish or UK versions of the services being very different to the US counterparts. Yeah. Um, Disney Plus, I think, is more or less the same on both. Yeah. Netflix, I think, over here initially was very bad, but has gotten better. Uh, I hate Amazon's user interface. Yeah. And I generally haven't watched a lot on Amazon, although the football documentaries on there are quite good. The boys. Um, 
Disney Plus is good for Disney stuff, obviously, but it's a bit limited in terms of all the content has to be like PG on it. Mm. Yeah. And as as good as it is to have the Disney movies plus the Simpsons, lately it seems like their their strategy is just thousands of series make them and put them on Disney Plus. Yeah, whether they're good or not. Well, you know, you're 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 not interested in uh, fucking Boba Fett's cousin opens a bookshop on Tatooine. All the Star Wars and Avengers think- shows you can want. Yeah, I've, I've already watched too much of those. I don't want anymore. I think Netflix for us has the most variety. I'd probably go with Netflix. Kind of, that's where Drag Race is. Well. I was kind of. I was just thinking there recently how I'm not getting as much use of the Netflix lately, but I would probably side with that one. I think like The Boys on Prime is probably my favorite of all the the original shows on any streaming service. But I don't watch anything else on Prime. I I will. I think Netflix probably has the the quantity that I would I would need. So I go with that. Mm. Yeah, I'd rule out Prime because it's, it's just occasionally something good, but on the whole, it's it's not great. Um, Disney Plus, you do have The Simpsons, you do have all the Pixar's, your Star Wars is, and Netflix. A lot of their original series they've had recently just aren't, don't really grab me. No, um, I probably still would go Netflix because I think they do have a lot of the kind of classic shows I would want to rewatch, sort of over and over again. Probably go Netflix, but it's getting closer. Disney's catching up, I would say. All right, I was curious. Well, we the final score for those of you listening at home uh, was Barry seven, mm. Paul nine, and Joe with twelve. Mm. Congratulations! Finally, Joe. finally won a quiz this year. <laughs> well done. Oof. That's great. Right, yeah. Well, thank you very much, Scott. Thank you, as always, Scott. I, I always appreciate when Scott does these. We're getting to laugh at the episode titles again is always good. Yeah, yeah, yes. That, thank you for having me. It. It's always fun to listen. I enjoy the show. It's it's great to be on this, and I like being a little bit of the show historian historian there. You do a fantastic job, and uh, <laughs> I uh, and you get to, and you, you still get to listen to the the show uh, minus your bit. You know, fresh and new for you. Uh, as well Uh, so thank you very much for joining us as always and have a very safe and happy christmas and new year while we're talking to you you too folks thanks scott and now it is time for us to discuss the many many movies we have watched this week Uh, i'll kick us off here as i wrapped up uh, game guff um, what's an interesting collection of movies this week? First of all, I will, of course, talk about the festive classics. Uh, the Muppets Christmas Carol. What day is it, Master Bruce? Um, got that watched. Uh, of course, that's timeless. You know you know yourself. Um, a, a vital part of, of, of the Christmas rotation. Uh, watched Batman Returns, which I have not watched in a very long time. The uh, Christmassy Tim Burton thing with Danny DeVito and uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, like early on, I was like, "Oh, this is way better than I remember." Oh, it's so cool! Look at that Gotham; it's so fucking awesome looking. And oh my god, the Catwoman origin scene is so weird and like cool and not 
dumb like modern movies. She doesn't find cat burglar armor somewhere, you know. <laughs> it's just this weird otherworldly thing where she nearly dies and is eaten by cats kind of it's just cool and i was super intrigued and like and then the then it, the second half of the movie is just uh, stuff happens uh, he's mayor but he's not actually that doesn't matter catwoman's here but then she's not there uh, uh is batman in this movie uh who cares uh, uh there's penguins and then they stop the pe- uh, penguin and then uh, batman is there it's just kind of a mess the second half of the movie is just kind of stuff happening and it, it was kind of boring um so i kind of i kind of wished it, Based on how strong the first act was, I was kind of hoping the whole thing would be better. But eh, that's that's kind of that's Tim Burton movies in a nutshell for me. Uh, always cooler conceptually than they end up being in in, in practice. Uh, outside of that, I watched some uh, older movies. I watched Meet the Parents. You know the classic mm. uh, Ben Stiller, Robert De Niro joint. Mm. Still good. Uh, you know, um, not not laugh out loud funny, but still plenty of of chuckles to be had. Um, enjoyed that. Uh, I watched a movie I had not heard of, but apparently loads of people have seen it. Uh, Christopher Columbus's Stepmom. Oh, yeah. The Julia Roberts, Susan Sarandon thing. I'll be honest, not as banterific as Home Alone. <laughs> uh, the movie where Susan Sarandon uh, dies of cancer. Um, <laughs> spoilers. Um, all right. But, you know, all right. Not, not really my, not really my, my genre, but it was, it was, it was, it was okay. Um, Die Hard Two was oh, way more boring than I remembered, and I remembered it being pretty boring. But it's way more boring than I remembered. Um, yeah, that was a that was a big disappointment. Um, yeah, uh, for the first time ever, I watched Life Is Beautiful, the Italian movie, um, which I really, really, really loved. Uh, really fantastic. Um, not a Christmas movie, by the way. I have now segued out of the Christmas movies. Uh, it's kind of a, um, uh, a kind of almost like a very classical kind of almost like Laurel and Hardy or maybe even like Chaplin-esque kind of comedy with lots of physical comedies and, and, and very old school jokes that I really liked. Uh, with the, it's basically about this kind of, um, kind of very charming, wheeling, dealing character um, in late 1930s. Um, uh, Italy, so like just heading into World War Two, and he kind of comes across this woman he's infatuated with, and he sets about um, uh, winning her affections. And then the second half of the movie, which I don't, I don't want to spoil too much on the off chance people haven't seen it, it's really, it's really, really excellent. I, I would encourage people to watch it. Second half of the movie is then kind of uh, becomes more focused on the war and uh, uh, and things like that. And it's 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 very heart wrenching, but it's also very beautiful and it's also very funny. Uh, despite the the very dark subject matter, but um, yeah, big big thumbs up for life is beautiful. Uh, so thumbs up on that one. And then the only actual new new movie I watched this week was Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four, which is the uh, DC fucking thing, the new uh, sequel to the last uh, Patty Jenkins one. Patty Jenkins again directing this one, and I thought it was really really good. I thought the first one was really good. I thought this one was really good. It is long. It is two and a half hours long, which should be illegal. Um, but, you know, this is the world we live in. 
Um, I thought it was really strong. Uh, you know, Gal Gadot is still extremely limited as as a leading lady, but I, I think overall the rest of the movie makes up for it. Great supporting cast, Kristen Wiig, Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal is fantastic in this movie. He's really great. Great kind of classic comic book villain. Um, he, he, can, he can do it all. You know, he's kind of, he's a, a funny 80s douchebag. He's a, a, a kind of sympathetic loser turned villain. He's, he's great. Um, so thumbs up on that overall. I, I, I don't think everyone will love it. I think, I think it's very... Um, I think it's kind of out there. It's kind of going for some. It's going for stuff a bit more than than these movies tend to, uh, and I don't think it'll hit for everyone. But I I really liked it, and uh, yeah, those are my movies. So plenty of movies there to watch. If you if you feel like taking a trip to the cinema and you're confident your cinema is a safe place to be, um, go see Wonder Woman. Although I don't think that'll be an option for most of us uh, within a, within a week. So maybe watch it on the old internet uh, if you'd rather do that. Hmm. Sounds good. Uh, I only watched one movie. I only watched one movie, so I'll be quick. Uh, Barry, sit down. I'm about to tell you a story. Go on, go on. I watched a little movie you might have heard of. It's called The Godfather. Look how they made my movie. Right. Um... Uh, and I'm reminded when I watch The Godfather how good The Godfather is. Now, it's a bit of a cliche um, how good it is. But after we watched it, I tried to come up with, like, okay, you know, you give you give a movie a 10 out of 10 on the old letterbox.com, right? But there, even within that rating, there are levels. And when I watched Godfather, I was like, okay, how many movies have I seen that are legitimately... T- trying as best I can to take a kind of subjectivity out of the, you know, the uh, formula. Objectively speaking, as much as I can, because obviously everything is subjective. But objectively speaking, how many films have I seen that are as good or on the same level as Godfather? I could only come up with like three films. Uh, I think The Shining is as good as The Godfather. I think Psycho is as good as The Godfather. Ironically, they're two horror movies. Um, maybe Citizen Kane. I, I, and again, Citizen Kane is another movie that people are like, are kind of, kind of over talking how good it is. Well, I've seen Citizen Kane once, and I remember the one time I saw it, I was kind of blown away by how good it is. But like, Godfather. First of all, Barry, watch Godfather. Forget about other movies <laughs> for a second. Don't, they don't matter. Other movies don't matter. Just you gotta watch Godfather. Yeah, I know. And I, I think it'll be it's it's you are now at the right moment, especially, um, in terms of how experienced you are watching movies to watch Godfather for the first time. I think it's good in a sense because I was also very late to see Godfather for the first time. I think I saw it for the first time when I was like twenty six, twenty seven. Mm. Um, I think it's good to watch Godfather like what I assume a fine wine is like as someone who's never drank wine. <laughs> if you, if you had it too early before you could really appreciate it, it's almost like wasted. I think it's, it's good in a sense that you haven't seen it yet, but the time is, ne- it's the time <laughs> you gotta, especially now. One thing I want, I want for you, Barry, as a, like an exercise in it is when you watch Godfather, whenever that might be, hopefully sooner than later, because it's, it's so fucking good. When you watch it, just that first scene, just sit and like take it in that first scene, how good that first scene is. 
Um, there's not a lot happening. It's just dialogue between basically two characters. But just the way it looks, just how good the dialogue is, the way it, the way it's acted. Mm. Um, and when I watch Godfather 1, I'm reminded, because a lot of people, and Barry, you might be one day part of this group, a lot of people say that Godfather 2 is, is better than the first Godfather. When I watch rewatch the first one, I'm reminded why the first Godfather is the better one. Because as soon as Marlon Brando appears on the screen, other performances that you previously thought were great, <laughs> you realize uh, are shite. Okay. You, you realize that Meryl Streep has never been good enough. <laughs> because Marlon Brando in The Godfather is all that matters. No one else has come close to Marlon Brando in The Godfather. And Godfather 2 when you watch it, you you are constantly thinking, God, I wish Martin Brando was in this fucking film because Robert De Niro's in it and he's great and his story is interesting and great. But Godfather 1, it is not. Mm. Um, the closest thing I can liken it to is, is Terminator 1 and Terminator 2, which I know is a trite um, thing to link the Godfather to. But its its story is so tight. And there was a moment, there was a fleeting moment like two hours 20, two hours 15, maybe it, because it's a three hour movie. Two hours 15, two hours 20 in. I had a fleeting moment where I was like, oh, is this film starting to like drift on a bit too long? Has it kind of passed the kind of peak where I realized by the end I was a fool. I was a stupid man to think that even for a second. It's the perfect length, it's perfectly paced. It's so, so tense. The story is. And admittedly, an adaptation of a book, but the story is like the perfect fucking arc. It's so, so well done. It has um, Al Pacino in it before before he became that Al Pacino. He's like a, a subtle Al Pacino performance that you just don't get anymore. I had a only great career. Pacino! <laughs> he is like fantastic in it. Uh, but it's the Marlon Brando show. Oh my god, he's so good. Um, you know what? I'm gonna make yeah. it my my homework because I have I have more time off after I'm working tomorrow. More time off. By the time we reconvene in the new year, I want to have watched this movie film. You will not regret it. Is all I'll say. It's an incredible film, past the limitations of a ten out of ten or what that means. It's w- literally one of the best films ever. Okay. That's all I gotta say about it, Joe. Take the Godfather. Uh speaking of the Godfather, I watched a film almost as good. Uh, it was called Happy Death Day. Oh um, it was why have you seen this? Did... Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um it's been called a cross between Groundhog Day and Scream. Um, in the sense that it's a kind of tongue-in-cheek, funny slasher movie that takes the Groundhog Day kind of story type of, you know, someone dying and dying over the day again, blah, 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 uh, and does does kind of both at the same time. I thought it was really, it was quite funny, quite well done. Um, not a perfect movie, certainly some flaws in it, but um, yeah, fu- funny enough, slightly scary enough, and had an interesting kind of fairly well-done plot to it. Um, I, I quite enjoyed it. Um, I would say the the weaknesses were that a lot of the, not so much the characters, but the actors were just incredibly forgettable or easily replaceable. Like you, yeah. could have re- you could have recast the entire movie and I don't think it would have suffered what, at all. Um, 
so yeah, no, no, no one too memorable. And the other thing is, it didn't really, you know, it's a, it's a slasher movie, but obviously with the Groundhog Day thing, you know that the um, the, the the main character who gets kind of killed and, and wakes up, you know, to do the same day again. Obviously, you know she's not going to die because she's going to wake up again the next day. So that it takes away the typical tension you get in a, in a sort of slasher movie. But then the tension should really be like, oh, can she figure out who the killer is? Can she, you know, unmask the killer, kill the killer, whatever? And they never really kind of ratchet that up. They kind of stick to the sort of typical slasher movie tropes. And it's like, well, I know even if she dies, she's going to be fine so yeah does it really matter but apart from that i, I still thought it was a very fun movie uh, and i've seen they've, they've done a sequel which i will try to watch at some point over christmas as well so yeah happy happy death day a deep, good, good little film uh, in terms of kind of comedy horror movies uh, one of the one of the better ones i've seen recently um and also then watch miracle on 34th street with uh old dicky attenborough himself and your one from Matilda. Um, <laughs> fun, fun little movie. Always enjoy watching that. You kind of realise though, after watching it quite a few times, that basically they all, you, know, it's, you don't really pick up on this at first, but basically they all think this old man is mental, but they're just too nice to tell him. Like, obviously they're not having any of this shit that they, he's really Father Christmas, but they're like, yeah, you are Father Christmas, aren't you? And he's like, yes, I am Father Christmas. And, over to over to the over the North Pole. It's near the retirement home, isn't it? Yes, you can go. <laughs> yeah, the more the more times you watch it, the more kind of ridiculous that becomes. The way they all kind of treat him, um, it's, it's such kind of obliviousness, and he's like, yeah, yeah, oh, the worst, worst. Um, but yeah, a fun, a fun movie, none, nonetheless. Uh, yes, that's that's our movies for the for the week. Excellent. Good good haul of movies there to bring us into the end of 2020 and then on to the new year. Before we get into the emails, do we have a Hong Kong of the week and the oh. year? Oh, we do have a Hong. We have a Hong Kong of the week and end of the year. Um I thought for the the 500th episode I'd bring back one of our one of our earliest features. Uh no, it's not reviewing Raw. Uh, I've done that and we're doing that again. Um, is Hong Kong of the Week. So if you don't remember, if you don't remember all the way back to the, the Hong Kong of the Week days, basically I would pick uh, a moment of the week every week um, that I would give the, the Hong Kong to. Um, and as you'll hear in a minute, there's a hilarious sound effect that goes with this. Um, so I've, I've resurrected it for one week only. And I'm going to give it this week and this year uh, not to a wrestling moment and not to a pop culture moment. I am going to give the Hong Kong of the Week to finding out that both of my 87-year-old grandparents received their first uh, COVID-19 jab uh, vaccine this week. Um, It's something we've all been kind of hoping and praying for to come along and save us and to actually start to see people get it and see your family get it has has given a little glimmer of hope even as we enter another what's probably going to be a long and tortuous lockdown. Um, and I think it's it's fantastic that as as bad as things get, we can always you know there are people out there working hard just to give us a little bit of hope and to yeah. to, to get through it all. So that is my Hong Kong of the week, and here comes the sound effect. Hong Kong. <laughs> What a, what a big one! A big one to wrap off the year. He went full boss nas. 
seeing seeing flashing lights in my eyes now, but it was worth it. It was worth it. Oh. Yeah. I I miss that sound effect. I really do. <laughs> um oh my god, that was that was good. I I, I didn't expect that wacky sound effect segment to turn into like a true heartfelt moment so that was very nice speaking of let me segue into another one go on obviously it's it's not nothing on the level of joe's one but i got an email this week and when i got it it really it really made my day so hopefully we're going to make uh your guys days as well not you the listeners we don't care about your day but joe and barry um it's it's from Will, and it's a congratulations email on uh, 500 episodes, right? Subject, thank you. Imagine someone saying that for this shit. Yeah, that's, that's absolute shite. Uh, anyway, his message says, Thank you for the entertainment over the years. From Jinder wants a banana <laughs> to, to Barry recapping his mania trip. Joe's quick wit and dry sense of humor, squirting children with water pistols, <laughs> explain and oh, hang on, no fucking second here. I wonder, Taker, the live video show in Ireland, introducing me to the likes of Denis Villeneuve and Nathan Fielder, Dwayne Johnson Busters, the Three Stooges, Crash Bandicoot debate, <laughs> Oscar recaps, Scott the Boys quiz, debate Cali. Barry's old microphone <laughs> podcast podcast from a shed Tony and the Griff live in London Ryback's noise after Heyman kissed him the parade is over Jabba the Hut Hong Kong of the week life guff telly guff film guff who wants to do raw Barry's toilet escapades <laughs> remember who wants to do it now no one is the answer don't wake me up just to break me down. The Simpsons tweeting at The Rock, tweeting at Meltzer, Jericho blocking Barry. <laughs> That's just off the top of my head. I could go on and on and on, but I'll let you get on with the show. Congratulations on 500. It was the best of times. It was the blurst of times. Oh. Will. Fantastic. Thank you so much for that, Will. That, that made me laugh. Oh. <laughs> that puts it into perspective, doesn't it? Oh, uh, it does indeed. Do you have another one, Paul? Thank you so much. Yeah. I appreciate the no, not to blow smoke up Will's ass because God knows we've done that enough already. But it's it's little things like that that make doing five hundred of these kind of worth it to me. Mm. Um, we then have a second email from Scott, who we just talked to a bit ago. Um, Scott, you could have just said this to us when you were <laughs> talking to us. You didn't have to send me an email. Uh, it's a pick one wrestler edition. Good evening, Paul. Just a quick pick one. Have a good week, Scott. Um, Adam Cole, Jay Lethal, Austin Aries. Um, that's a toughie because I don't know if if any of those three were in a pick'em with other wrestlers. I don't know that those would be the ones that I would pick. But pitted against each other, Adam Cole, I really only know from from his NXT time. I know in PWG he did like a, a suck my dick shtick and all that stuff, mm-hmm. but I never really watched his stuff there. Um, 
Jay Lethal, I know from obviously his TNA days as the Black Machismo. Um, and I was uh, all right. I was never super impressed with Jay Lethal. I can't think of any standout matches he had. If I think Jay Lethal, I think of the Ric Flair promo, and I think of him doing the uh, tuxedo chain match with Sanjay Dutt. That was just a complete mass, uh, mess. Um, and then Austin Aries admittedly had a good run in 2012-ish in TNA, where he had a quite good little period. But again, someone who tends to underwhelm rather than overwhelm, I feel. Putting aside the fact that he's obviously a, a massive, massive jackass. Um, so I don't know. I, I mean, gun to head, I maybe would lean towards Adam Cole. I think he's had some very good matches in NXT. Um, but it's not a strong pick by any means for me. I, I'd go Aries because he also has like ROH stuff that's really good as well. Um, I, I would take him. True. I forgot. I, I know he had a really good match with Nigel McGuinness. I think a final battle of 08 mm. that I remember. I liked Aries in TNA, that whole kind of run to become the champion. Mm. Um, then his other stuff just, just turned me off, really. Um, I'll go Adam Cole, just because I like that. Adam Cole, baby! That thing. <laughs> just on that, just on that, really. I like when he goes boom, uh, and his song does it. Oh, yeah. 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 Um. I- I can also not hate someone who does the Canadian Destroyer as a finish. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Best move in wrestling. Uh, so I just, I just have one email from also from Scott. He says, good evening, Joe. After Messi tied Pele for the goals scored with one team, will he be considered the best goal scorer ever? Side note, goal scoring is always going to be the success stat, but who was the best defender you ever saw? Have a good week, Scott. Um, will he be considered the best goal scorer ever? It's interesting because is you'll often find like a difference between someone who talks about being a great player and a great goal scorer. Like there's great strikers who are just all about scoring goals, and I think Messi is kind of so much more than that. So although he is probably going to be like the most prolific goal scorer of all time, he's going to be remembered more as just the greatest player of all time. You know, better than better than Pele, better than Maradona, better than than everyone. Um, in terms of defending. I was thinking like Maldini, Paolo Maldini. Yeah, yeah like the most beautiful kind of tackles. We just like surgically remove the ball from the, the forward with his with his sliding tackle. Um, yeah, probably him. In terms of English players, I'd, I'd say someone like Rio Ferdinand. So I think he was just so smooth on the ball. Uh, he wasn't. Mm. He, he kind of bucked the trend of that like big kind of lumpy English centre back who just like. Hitted the ball really hard or kicked people. Like Rio had a lot of like style and kind of panache as well. So yeah, was one of my favourites. So yeah, was um was Cannavaro the only defender who's won the Ballon d'Or in like the last twenty years? Yeah, I think I remember Cannavaro had a obviously had that great year in 06. but I can't think of any other years where I was really wowed by him. Whereas Maldini, like Maldini and Nesta Mm. were that great, like AC Milan pairing for so many years. Yeah. But then Cafu on one side. Yeah. They're very, very strong. Um, Who else? Who else was a good defender that I've seen? Um, Yeah. I was actually going to go in more the lumpy direction. (laughs) (laughs) But I was thinking 
I mean, I do agree with Rio, and Rio and Vidic had a particular a very good partnership. Um, oh, I don't know. I always thought Tony Adams was very good oh, yeah. for Arsenal. Because yeah. um, for the size he was, he was, wasn't was incredibly slow. Like, I know we had, like, Bruce and Pallister at the back of the time, and they were just, like, <laughs> the slowest centre-backs in the world. Um yeah, I, I like the direction modern football has gone in with defending anyway, as Joe said, that they're not just, you know, it used to be from when you went from goalkeeper to attacker, it was like the fatness level would go down. <laughs> like the keeper you had like, do you remember like, was it Kevin Peterson for Sheffield Wednesday back in the day? Oh, and, um, was it? Yes, Pressman, sorry. And um Neville Southall for everything. They're just, they're just these big spuds yeah. in goals. Just like the physically the biggest, <laughs> widest man. That's, that was the mentality. Like, fill the most of the goal that you can. And it's harder <laughs> for the ball to get in. <laughs> and then you had that one maybe six or seven years ago. The non-league keeper who was eating a pie in oh, the stands. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and then defenders would be like more stocky. And then you finally the strikers would be like the little slips of men. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think as as much as it pains me to say, I mean Virgil Van Dijk at the moment seems like the the full package to me. Oh yeah. Um, who else do I really like? And as much as it pains me to say, because I used to really not rate him at all when he played more of a right back, but mm-hmm. since he moved to centre back, he's had a very long successful career. Sergio Ramos. Oh yeah, so oh he's he's top. He's a top all round player. Ooh. There you go. Barry, have you an email? I have a couple emails here. First one is also from Scott. He's given us a, 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 a simple pick one. I think this is an interesting one. Brad Pitt, George Clooney, Tom Cruise. Oh, well, okay. First of all, Clooney. Clooney yeah, yeah. The, the, the Cloonster is, is, is gone. Um, Clooney more than anyone just feels like he's paid himself. Yeah, especially in Gravity, where he's just droning on about nonsense. Get him. Uh, Pitt versus Cruz, two right. two great careers. Um, yes. Um. Hmm. I mean, I kind of, I kind of have some recency bias because I feel like Cruz is still knocking out those Mission Impossibles. Whereas, what has Pit done lately is my main my my immediate. What have you done lately for me, old man? Um. Well, the thing with Mission Possibles is the Mission Possibles have really only been good for the last three. Ah, that seems harsh. Three of seven. I mean, really good. Yeah, fair um, enough. Fair enough. But Tom Cruise also has Collateral, which we all love. Oh yeah. Um. Uh, and also, like he, like he has like a, a very eclectic, like two thousands nineties ass movies. Minority Report, Top Gun, uh, fucking, you know, Risky uh, Business, Vanilla Sky. Vanilla Sky was the one I was trying to think of. Um, and then, like you know, even some so-so but still watchable action stuff, like Jack Reacher, and you know, um, you know. But Pitt's been in more like actual good movies. <laughs> Yeah, Send when, I, when I think Brad, I think Fight Club. Yeah, um, he was in The Counselor, which was actually very good. Snatch when I Snatch, Snatch. Seven, um, Seven. He's in some of the uh, Tarantino movies. Oh. Yeah, um, quite yeah, quite a few of the 
Tarantino's. Yeah, killing Nazis. Nazi killing business boys. Gorlami. Also, Big Short and Moneyball. So the yes, Twelve Years a Slave. Yeah, very well. He produced Twelve Years a Slave. He was in it as well. Yeah, he had a very small role in it where he had long hair and looked really sexy for some reason. <laughs> in, a movie, in a movie that didn't... Looked very sexy for some reason. He's Brad Pitt, of course it looks sexy. I know, but it's like this... I don't want to call it grimy because it's not. It's like a very gritty, realistic... Mm. Harrowing. Uh, harrowing movie. And then Brad Pitt with his like, long, luscious mane. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> he was in Tree of Life, which is uh, a really good one. Terrence Malick. The Departed. He was in um, Oceans movies. Oceans uh, 11, 12. 12 Monkeys. Interview with a Vampire. Um, yeah, I'm going to go I'm gonna Brad Pitt, I think. As much as I love those, especially Mission Impossible Fallout, which is like maybe one of my top five favorite action movies ever. I'll go Brad Pitt. I think he's got more versatility. And Tom Cruise is a fucking weirdo. Uh, I'll, I'll go for Pitt, just ahead of Cruise. Uh, I do love a lot of Cruise movies, and also love his rants against people that. Break <laughs> oh yeah. Um, he's like he's like he's, he's like a wrestler. He's like a wrestler talking about saving this bin- business. This business. Uh, I'll, I'll go Pitt. Just gonna is it. Uh, I'm gonna go Cruise. Uh, my next email is from Jamie. He says, "Congratulations on the five hundred. Thanks for the laughs and recommendations over the years. Thank you very much, Jamie, for your uh, for your support. Uh, what's top of you fellas' list to do when vaccinated up? Visit friends, family, taste a specific item on a menu, holiday, a place, cinema, shop." I've been working on furlough. Uh, I've been off work on furlough since April, hardly going out, so I can't wait to get back to normalcy. Well, I hope that can happen for you uh, sooner rather than later. Jamie, uh, yeah, I, I would love to... Uh, I mean, there's lots of extravagant things I'd love to do, but really I would love to just be able to, uh, on a whim, go to the pub with friends and not have to make reservations and make sure you... You know, the first day I can go out without having to check to make sure I have the mask is going to be... a. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, a very, a very, uh, a day I greatly look forward to, but uh, still, still quite a bit away, but something to look forward to. That's that's mine anyway. I am. Um, I'm looking forward to going to the cinema again. Like- yeah, I've been to the cinema once this year. Oh, I went once. I have to see Tenet. Mm-hmm. Packed, yeah, same. Packed screening. It was awful. You want you want to go back and see something good? Yeah, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to be watching Tenet again over Christmas. I'm going to watch it again um, backwards. Hmm. <laughs> I I think it's a film I'll enjoy more a second time. Um, because first time you're kind of working it out, and like I thought the first hour of that film was incredibly boring, but maybe with the context of where it's going, I might be more into it. Um, to answer the question, yeah, normalcy is what I look forward to. Um. I really miss just going into the city center and getting a Burger King and watching a movie mm. and doing some shopping. <laughs> you know, it is it is I've those simple to, things. It is. Yeah, I've been to the cinema once this year, Burger King, three times maybe, which is still a lot for some people. <laughs> but for me, you got to consider this is me we're talking about here. Um, yeah, I mean the little bubble of whatever the the not even a five kilometer bubble that we live inside. I've only been outside of 
two or three times. It's it's very weird. Hmm. And uh, yeah, that's the emails there. Uh, do we want to? I mean, is there anything much to talk about? I thought it was the most boring episode of Dynamite imaginable this week. I agree. It was so boring. Um, very low energy, which I guess is kind of fine. They can't they can't load up every episode, but I thought they could have tried a bit harder than they did this week. Um, yeah, so uh, not not much to talk about on the wrestling front. There's a pay per view tonight, by the way. Um, what pay per view is it? Tables, ladders, and just uh, if you if you've been thinking to yourself lately, God, it's been ages since WWE did a ladder match. Um, well, there's two tonight for your delectation. Um, I, I mean, I may watch just because you know, I've got a ah, no, I'm not even going to watch it because realistically, I, I have other stuff to do, but I might watch. I mean, one of the matches is Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns in a TLC, like that might be all right. I might, I might check that out. Didn't they have a really do you want to guess a really good match? Sorry, as the Rumble was that a few years, yeah, yeah, a ladder didn't they have a ladder match or a table match or something, I can't remember, but yeah, could be good. Here's an impromptu quiz, guys, without looking. Two questions. Number one, when do you think the last WWE ladder match was? And question number two, how many ladder matches do you think they've done in WWE this year? The last one was like three or two or three weeks ago on NXT. Yeah. Uh, and they've done, they have genuinely done something mental like 20 this year. I think, yeah, 16 or something like that. Well, I, I'm I'm looking on Wikipedia as per my source. Mm-hmm. It has the last ladder match was uh, September 27 on Clash of Champions. That's definitely incorrect. They oh. and, and NXT NXT have had genuinely about six or seven on television this week. They are uh, this year. They did one um, for the the man advantage in the War Games, which was only yeah. a week ago. Right. Okay. Well, this is wrong. Then. Wikipedia, <laughs> damn you. <laughs> well, up until September 27, 2020, it lists five ladder matches. Um, one on Raw, one at WrestleMania, uh, two NXT, and then Clash. Yeah, I, I, but even five is too many for a year. F- five, five is too many. I think someone, I think one of the WrestleNomics people uh, had posted when they did that War Games Man Advantage one, posted a, a, a stat. It's been something mental like 50% of all ladder matches in the company's history have been this year. Um, because because in their never ending attempt to get people to watch NXT, they constantly have like uh, number one contender ladder match, number one contender tag team ladder match, uh, man advantage in the war games ladder match, um, and so they're just having ladder match after ladder match, um, and they've all, there's also been some on the main roster that AJ, uh, Sammy won, yeah, they've had loads, they have had so many, um, and. Do you want to guess how many ladder matches did they have in 2004? I would say three. I would say mm, one. One is the correct answer. Oh, wow. Yeah, Chris Chris Jericho Christian. Unforgettable. Right, Theo. Yeah, Dynamite was uh, arse-numbingly boring. Mm. Um, I couldn't believe how boring it was. I, uh, <laughs> I just started looking at my tablet instead. <laughs> this is boring. Especially when it was like, okay, first of all, you promote a match never been seen before. Like, they didn't say that, but just match never been seen before. You got to tune in and watch it. Kenny Omega against Joey Janela in a no DQ match for what feels like the fifth time since AEW. Yeah. Enough with that match. We've done it already. Um, 
what else was it? Yeah, Cody Rhodes and Helico. And Helico and Helico in Lucha Underground. Exciting. And Helico anywhere else, the most boring man in the world. Yeah. Uh, Matt Hardy, Private Party, beat Hangman Page and Dark Order. That was an interesting result. Matt Hardy's doing a, yeah. a disingenuous friend character, which yeah, usually works. We'll see how there that goes. Funny then beating Adam Page. I'm interested to see what they do with him. If he finds a way into the Dark Order, which good on them for how much that Dark Order gimmick has changed um, since it was you know the Ministry Light last year. Mm-hmm. It definitely has a lot more kind of personality to it. Uh, Cody Rhodes is having a baby, by the way. Him and Brad. Oh, yeah. A, Announced on air. Yeah, a very self indulgent <laughs> video. <laughs> they they borrowed um, your man's little wanky claw for two minutes to <laughs> wank themselves off on uh, TV for whatever, five minutes. Um, what else? Inner Circle, Top Flight, Best Friends, Rasty Blondes match. Couldn't tell you a single spot from oh, it. Yeah. Very, very boring. Um, the Acclaimed. One thing about The Acclaimed, right? As non-UFC watchers, you guys probably won't get what I'm going to say, but hopefully someone out there listening is. Um, the Acclaimed look like so much like two UFC fighters. I can't like get out of my head when I watch them. One of them looks exactly like uh, Rusmar Palharas. It was an, I, I don't know if you remember, there was that one UFC guy who kept doing leg holds on people and holding them on too long to the point that the UFC fired him. <laughs> um, one of them looks like him and the other one looks like Alistair Overeem, like a little Alistair Overeem. And every time they come out, I'm like, oh, it's the last from the UFC. Um, I like their little uh, rap gimmick. That's quite fun. Yeah. Um, Frankie Kazarian's rap was the most embarrassing thing since Christopher Daniels tried to do that moonsault that one time. Um, and fell on the floor. That was very funny. Um, couldn't tell you a single thing about the women's match. And then the main event was like five minutes long and boring. Yeah. Yeah, skip. It's very skippable dynamite. Yeah, ho- hopefully hopefully next next week's better. Well, they don't all have to be ten out of tens. Well, no, yeah, yeah, that's 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 a very. True. That's what makes the ten out of tens the ten out of tens. That's it. That's it. So yeah, I think we can call it there, gents. Um, just, just one stat to finish, by the way. I know um, we've talk, talk this week of Raw doing its lowest ever uh, number, uh, one point five three million average viewers for the three hours. So I went and looked up. Um, the rating for the Raw of the week of our very first episode, uh, February 2010. Uh, do you want to have a guess what Raw did? How many viewers it did that week? Uh, so, I'll say 4.1 million viewers and uh, like a 3.5 rating. Okay, Paul, Paul. No, I'll say lower. I'll say maybe like a 3.5 million. Oh, you're both wrong. It actually did 5.35 million viewers. What? <laughs> 10 years ago, 11 years ago. So yeah, lost four, 4 million viewers lost in the last uh, 10 years. Uh, and but as a side note, TNA that week did 1.6 million. Oh, wow. That's crazy. That's where we're at. They don't have another four million to lose. Uh, here we go. Eleven years. And what a what a uh, a stat to close out our final show of the year, our five hundredth episode, and indeed, 
our fight. Oh no, wait, no, last year was the end of the decade. Scratch this last point. <laughs> I knew you were going to say it. <laughs> and what better way to end this fucking episode? Uh, thanks very much for listening, everyone. As we mentioned before, we do greatly appreciate it. Um, we love your support. We love your emails. We love your correspondence. We greatly appreciate it. And uh, come back into the new year, and we'll be doing it all over again with episode five oh one. Uh, so until then, have a very Merry Christmas or whatever it is you celebrate. Be safe. Look after yourselves and each other. Take care of each other out there for the love of God. Um, and have a happy new year as well. Uh, and uh, thank you very much to my co-hosts and producer. It's uh, goodbye from me, Barry Murphy. It's goodbye from Paul Griffin. Goodbye. And it's goodbye, Mr. Joe Towner. <laughs>